0: Warning, this episode contains foul language, potentially disturbing stories, and at least three jerks. The podcast for all things strange, unusual, paranormal, supernatural, creepy, sticky, gross, scary, and everything in between. And we are the luckiest girls alive because each week we get to sit down with a friend and chat about something weird. This week is part two of our sports episode. And I am joined once again by my lovely co-host Lauren and our hilarious guest, actor, writer, and comedian Carl Tart. Who you have seen on Drunk History, Transparent, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, The Good Place, and you can also catch him on Comedy Bang Bang, several other podcasts like Doughboys and Good Christian Fun, his own podcast, The Flagrant Ones on Patreon, and several days a week performing at the UCB Theater in Hollywood, California. And grab yourself a bite to eat at Bird's while you're at it. It's absolutely delicious. Can we go there again soon?
1: Bird's? Yeah. 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 Absolutely.
0: Oh, surprise listeners, Hi. my special guest for the first part of this episode is your favorite boy, but you can't have him because he's mine, Mr. Joe Oaks. Hello, hello. <laughs> Hi, Joey.
1: Hi.
0: Today is part two of our sports episode. I'm going to be bringing our listeners a bunch of paranormal and supernatural sports stories, which is absolutely wild. I can't believe they exist. Um, but I wanted you to join me today because you found a sports story That was also wild, and I can't wait to hear about it.
1: Yeah, it's pretty bonkers. So I'm committing uh, somewhat of a cardinal sin here. Uh Uh, I'll I'll explain that in a minute. But uh, this is uh, normally a franchise in an organization that I don't... uh, typically pay too much good attention to. Mm, yes. I am a, I'm a bit of a sports nut as I'm sure you listeners have gathered with my 751,000 sports analogies <laughs> I've used to talk about science. So if I talk about sports when the topic is science, you can only imagine how excited I am to talk about sports. So the story that I have for you, children, children today <laughs> comes from a, a simpler time. The uh, early spring, late winter of 1973.
0: Oh, the seventies were Close wild. Close your eyes.
1: Take yourself back there. <laughs> What's all right? it smell like? Crocodile Rock and Superstition <laughs> by Elton John and Stevie Wonder are topping the charts. Uh, it smells like mostly body odor, vomit, <laughs> and urine.
2: Okay, And but, hot dogs. Uh, if, you're but at you've, the ball field. if you've
1: ever smelled someone freebase cocaine, it also smells like that. So, 1973. The Vietnam War is finally winding down. A gallon of gasoline costs 39 cents. Lovely. And uh, Tricky Dick Nixon is embroiled in the scandal that will prematurely end his presidency. But in the Bronx. Was that, was that Watergate? Mm-hmm, mm hmm. In the Bronx, Bronx, <laughs> New York, outside uh, the house that Ruth built, an equally shocking scandal is breaking. And it involves the city's beloved and iconic New York Yankees. Oh, shit. Also known as the bane of my existence. Yeah.
0: Joey's Uh, a Red Sox fan. I don't know if you guys know that. I'm sure you do. Yeah,
1: But hey, this this story transcends fandom. So the reason that this scandal is brewing around the Yankees, that there's been a big trade, right? But this is no ordinary trade. Not a sportsy
0: trade? Mm -mm.
1: This is not a matter of one baseball player being traded for another. This isn't a matter of a baseball player being sold for money. This isn't a matter of a baseball player really even being traded at all. It is a story of one baseball player trading in his wife and children for his teammates' wife and children.
0: Uh, that's insane. This is the story of Fritz <laughs> Peterson and insane. Mike Kekic. Yeah. They swapped lives?
1: Yeah. Well, like Freaky there. Friday? I'll okay. feed you. Yeah, okay. it's coming. Yeah, exactly like Freaky Friday. They woke up one day like a real heaven <laughs> can wait scenario with Warren Beatty. In yeah. each other's body. So again, 1973 and the Yankees are finding themselves at a bit of a crossroads. So it's been the better part of a decade since this iconic franchise has been at the top of baseball. So there have been periods of time, the late 20s through the really through the 30s. That's, you know, the the quote unquote murderers row Yankees. It's Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig. Oh, it's, shit. You know, it, it's I it's, know those names. Yeah, you do. Mm-hmm. And then that generation kind of bled into Joe DiMaggio.
0: I know that name, too. I
1: certainly do. And then, those you know, there's guys, guys, you know, Yogi Berra, Joe Pepitone. You know, there's all of these iconic players. Then that era starts to bleed into Mickey Mantle and Roger Maris. And it's like for about 40 years. The Yankees never really die off. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they don't win the World Series, but they're right there for like four decades because they've just got all the best players right. in the game. Yeah. But
0: also, like, why did the Yankees always win?
1: Oh, this is your Catch Me If You Can reference because yeah. everybody's looking at the pinstripes. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Tom Hanks actually has a pretty perfect answer. You know, Leo's like, why did the Yankees win? He's like, because they got fucking Joe DiMaggio. That's why, <laughs> that's why they always win. Yeah, because they had the best players. That's why they always won. But... uh but in 1973 the Yankees are finding themselves they're falling back, you know the the Oakland A's have, have now risen up, and the A's are the team to beat in baseball right now, and we're not quite in Reggie Jackson, Mr. October Yankees territory, and Mickey Mantle has already ridden off into the sunset, so this is, uh, this is a real downtime for the New York Yankees.
0: And, uh, Might as well as a, zhuzh it up with a Well, scandal. that's important <laughs> to note because
1: George Steinbrenner, 1973, is the year that George Steinbrenner buys the team. Steinbrenner went on to own the Yankees for 37 years until his death. His son, Hank, is now the owner of the team. But uh, but at the time, billionaire be- shipping magnate George Steinbrenner uh, bought the franchise for $10 million. That's chump change. So for context's sake, just this past (laughs) offseason, the Yankees signed a pitcher named Garrett Cole. Uh And this year, he's going to make $36 million. And he's going to make $36 million for the eight years after that, too. So when you think George Steinbrenner paid $10 million for the Yankees, that's pretty insane. So back to the subject at hand. So these two pitchers, Fritz Peterson and Mike Kekic, have slightly different backgrounds. So Peterson's the older of the two; he's 31 years old. He's enjoyed a, a successful, if slightly unheralded, career to this point. He's a pitcher; he's had a really good ERA for every one of his seven years. ERA, for thank those you. Of you. You listening saw my at face. Home. Yep, <laughs> that's your earned run average. That's that's pretty much over time. The nerds have started to take over baseball. But for for a long period of time it's it's pretty much the best way to properly adjudicate how well a pitcher is doing. It's the average amount of runs they allow per nine innings. Mm, okay. So that's a good barometer to So
0: you d- want a low number?
1: Exactly. And this guy's had a nice low ERA for the seven years of his career. In 1970, just a couple years prior, he won 20 games, which is a real big benchmark for pitchers. They can safe for the rest of their lives, not only did I make it to the major leagues, but I was a pitcher and I was a 20-game winner. He was nominated to the All-Star Game for that year, so even though he's not quite a star player He's a guy that the Yankees are really counting on this upcoming season. Yeah. Yeah, him and Mel Stottlemyre are kind of the anchor of the Yankee staff. Off the field, he's known as a bit of a joker. He's the guy who would put talcum powder inside a player's hairdryer. So they go to turn the hairdryer on to blow dry their hair and they just blast talcum powder all <laughs> over their face and all over their
2: hair. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, he
1: his, his, uh, his most famous prank was that he had a bunch of fake newspapers printed up with a headline saying that the Yankees plane had crashed and that the only surviving player was Fritz Peterson. Oh, my God. Him, that he was the only <laughs> survivor of the plane crash. So he's a funny guy. Right. You know? Kekich, on the other hand,
0: is... Uh, is not funny at all. <laughs> he's
1: as serious as a heart attack. No, he's he's um he's also a pitcher. He's several years younger. He's 27 years old. And he's a little bit of a contrast. He's tall. He's tan. He's a laid-back California guy. He's not cool. like straight-laced, buzz-cut, but he's definitely like a kind of hang-back, march-to-the-beat-of-his-own-drum kind of guy. He's like 27. It. He has yet to fully live up to... His, his billing as an amateur player, some scouts said he was the second coming of Sandy Koufax, who's, you know, this otherworldly Hall of Fame all-time great pitcher. He'd been an okay pitcher, but he'd never to that point really... He didn't fulfilled.
0: knock anybody's socks off. Yeah. He, he didn't knock really, anybody's knicks off.
1: He hadn't really lived up to his potential, but the previous season he had had his best year ever. So coming into the 73 season, there's some optimism brewing, especially around their pitching staff with Mel, Mel Stottlemyre, Fritz Peterson, Mike Kekich. like, hey, you know, we might be able to make some, make some moves in the division. We got some good pitchers this year. So this is all, you know, spring training is, is getting underway. And on March 5th, 1973, so that's less than a month before the new season begins, the two players themselves hold a small press conference to address this rumor that's beginning to circulate and run wild and is beginning to cause a little bit of unrest and it's a little bit of a distraction in the locker room. It's this story of the two not swipe swapping wives as people are kind of grumbling like, Oh yeah, they swapped out wives. They haven't swapped wives. They've swapped lives. There's they're swapping the children that they live with as well.
2: That's insane.
1: Yeah. So so the two players had known each other for four years already since Kekic had joined the Yankees in 1969. And they were roommates on the road ever ever since. And that's a real bonding thing for athletes, you know, yeah. because, you know, these these are grown men. And, you know, even though back then they weren't making nearly as much money as these guys make today. I mean, they it, you know, a lot of these guys had off-season jobs still yeah. in the early 70s. But even though they're grown men playing a child's game – you know, they're grown men. They've got wives. They've got kids. And when they go on the road, they've got another grown man in their hotel Who's room. Who's missing every their night. wives and their yeah, kids. Yeah. yeah. So so your direct roommate as a professional athlete on the road, there's, there's a lot that comes along with that. Close friendships really develop with that. And the same was true of these guys. They had developed a really close friendship. Not only had they become friends, but their wives and families had become friends as well. Both couples had two children. And they were all about the same age. So it was like perfect. They would yeah. go on vacations together. They were oh, close. Oh,
0: God, this is weird.
1: No, moreover, this is just something that kind of caught my eye. All four of these adults had had some form of higher education beyond high school. So for, for pro ball players, let alone people in 1973, this was something. This yeah. was something that was a little bit less common back then than it is now, especially in the arena of pro sports. These are all people who have had a little bit of a taste of higher education that's not necessarily a precursor to greater intelligence. But oftentimes it does mean that, you know, loftier or more elevated subject material can be discussed yeah. between these couples. So it's just further cementing the bond between these couples so by the summer of 1940 of 1972 rather excuse me the four-way friendship had begun to blossom into something more remember it's the 70s it is the 70s It's the early 70s right so if there were if there were ever a time
0: Pill parties.
1: This is it. Key parties. Swinging. You know, let's all drop our keys off in the fishbowl and I'll take, you know, one red, one blue and one yellow and see where I wind up <laughs> and with happens. whom, you know. So, so both together and independently from one another, um, everybody involved in this four-way tryst kind of becomes arriving at the conclusion that perhaps they're married to the wrong person. So as quoted in a New York Magazine article from that time, Kekich himself said, By all American standards, I had a good marriage, but I wanted a great marriage. I was idealistic, I guess. End quote. So by July of 1972, a beat writer at the time for the Yankees named Maury Allen overhears Peterson and the, and, uh, the Peterson and Kekich families discussing a potential swap. Back then it wasn't unusual for ball players to spend a lot of time with reporters. You know, they're traveling on the same planes, they're staying right. in the same hotels, and back then they also made approximately the same amount of money. So there wasn't a really a divide of any kind True. between these people. Whereas today, you know, it's definitely like an us versus them kind of thing. So uh Maury Allen had noticed that something in particular was a- amiss with Marilyn Peterson. Now, Fritz Peterson's wife Marilyn typically would wear a blonde wig because that's the way that her husband Fritz liked her to look. What the so, fuck? Yeah. All right. So not not only are we getting into some like some freaky stuff, but also like this is also a time and a place where it's like, hey. Put on the blonde wig. You know that's how I like you to look. Like imagine if I came home one day and we had dinner plans that night and I was like, hey, change everything about your appearance because tonight I want to go out with a blonde. You'd be like, yeah, that sounds awesome. Hold on a second. And then you'd close the door and then you'd open it like 45 minutes later and you'd have a duffel bag that had a bunch of my shit (laughs) packed in it. And you'd be like, here you go. The blonde wig is in there. Go Mm -hmm. put it on whatever whore you want to go put this on. Mm -hmm. It's been real. But, you know, again, 1973. (laughs) You can do these kinds of things. (laughs) So on this particular night, Marilyn Peterson arrives with her natural hair color, right? Oh, shit. Maury Allen remembers thinking to himself that she looked sweeter and just more natural and happier and more relaxed than he'd ever seen her before. So Marilyn had spoken with uh, Maury Allen's wife uh, weeks prior, and she had been kind of poking around a little bit. She'd been asking him how many times she and Maury had sex, how many times she thought it was normal for a couple to have sex. And the implication here was that her husband Fritz was somewhat of a reluctant partner in the bedroom, at least as far as his wife was concerned. Right. So Suzanne Kekich, however, seemed to be kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum. She was like publicly letting it be known that she had eyes for Fritz. It seemed oh, when they would go out that she was like directly blatantly competing with Marilyn for her husband Fritz's attention.
0: Now were they friends the ladies? Yes. Okay, cuz that seems like what? Right, right. <laughs> it's
1: you you can come at this from any number of angles and I don't know if any of them are going to provide you with clarity True. here. But uh but it was it definitely seemed a little bit more out in the open. It was, uh, I think, a little bit more of a testament to each of the two's personalities. Suzanne was known uh, as being uh, a little aggressive. It wasn't too difficult to discern her intentions from moment to moment. She's described as being tall, athletic looking, you know, and very type A personality. So by the end of that July evening, the two couples eventually parted ways. But they had parted ways with one another's spouse. They had, like, the trade had gone through, the phone call to the commissioner's office had been made, <laughs> the league had, oh, had signed off on the trade, and the swap had been made. So, by uh, the fall of 72, the couples had fully swapped lives, moving in with one another's spouse. Fritz Peterson had moved in with Suzanne and her children. Mike Kekic had moved in with Marilyn and her children. So the the arrangement was that the kids were going to stay with their moms. That was like the thing that they were going to try to do to root this life swap in some sort of normalcy for the kids. Another thing that they tried to do, you know, Fritz Peterson himself said that in an effort to make his kids feel a little bit less strange about the whole thing, I mean, you know, good luck with that.
2: Yeah, I was going to (laughs) say.
1: Yeah. He says that he went out of his way to build up Mike in his kids' eyes. Oh, okay. talking about, like, he's faster than I am. He's stronger than I am. You know, like, the kinds of things that little kids are impressed with. Like, (laughs) you're winning. Listen, like, Uncle Mike, he's great. You're going to love him. He's so fast. He's faster than me. You know, he throws a ball harder than I do. Like, he's crazy. Like, just wait until you get to play with him. He's so much fun. You know, just trying to make this at least a little more normal for your soon-to-be-fucked-up kids. Um, But by the spring training of 1973, the seeds of discontent had already been sown, unfortunately. So Fritz and Suzanne are quite happy but Mike and Marilyn aren't doing terribly well. Oh. So, um the you know, the love and attraction between them was undeniable and had continued um but Mike Kekich in his own words said that they were quote born under the same sign. We regularly butted heads and were getting under one another's skin. So, simply put, they were too similar. Joyce Brothers, Dr. Joyce Brothers, famed TV love guru and psychoanalyst of the time, uh she even weighed in on the subjects of the, these four people at the time and uh, and had predicted that the four-way swap wouldn't work out for everybody involved because she said they never do. So the four of them had initially agreed that if any of the four of them were unhappy, the entire deal was off. And they had actually tried going back to their original spouses in immediate light of this negative development of right. Mike and Marilyn not doing quite so well. Uh, but... Fritz and Suzanne, after attempting to split up and get back together, they claimed that they were just too much in love to be in part from one another and they reunited. But uh with Kekich and Marilyn unable to really make things work out, Marilyn and her and Fritz's children moved to Illinois to be closer to her parents. So Fritz and Fritz and Suzanne are together with Suzanne's kids. Marilyn moves to Illinois with her kids, which means that Mike is totally the odd man out. He is now spouseless, womanless, childless, totally out on his own, That's which sad. is super super depressing. So uh, according to reports it gets more depressing. After it became official that he and uh, Marilyn weren't going to be able to work things out, you know, there was a lot of worry with what a sticky situation this was turning into for the Yankees. Yeah, that he was going to get traded. Now it's important, I think, at this time to note that well into the 21st century, George Steinbrenner maintained this kind of like, there's like the Yankee way, mm-hmm. and the Yankee way is probably best characterized as being clean cut the list of free spirited major league ball players with their crazy long or curly hair and big sideburns whatever just dirty grody looking hillbilly looking dudes whatever you were when you joined the new york yankees you got a haircut you shaved your beard You know, like it was like you're going to be the 1960s version, early 1960s version, like Mad Men of like what a man should look like. This is how you're going to represent the New York Yankees. It's important to bring this up because, you know, George Steinbrenner, a big thing, like I said, that he carried into the 21st century was appearances, marketing, Mm -hmm. PR. When you play for the Yankees, that means something. You're not just another ball player. This is the house that Ruth built. That's where Joe DiMaggio played. That's where Mickey Mantle played. There's a standard to uphold here, even though DiMaggio and Mickey Mantle were like two of the biggest womanizers who ever lived. (laughs) Um, This was before our 24-hour news cycle, so people didn't know that. that And
0: before Me Too. Go on.
1: Yeah, and before the Me Too movement. So... With all of this going on, Kekich can kind of see the writing on the wall, especially now that he's the odd man out of this forward tryst. So he went to the team's front office and begged them to not trade him. Or if they did trade him, just please make sure you trade Fritz to the same place because being on the same team as Fritz was, to quote him, the only way I can be sure of being able to see my daughters.
0: Oh, Jesus.
1: Because they live with his teammate Fritz now. Wow. Yeah. So as heartbreaking as that is, I, I can't think of that statement from Mike in stark contrast to the fact that Fritz, upon hearing of his ex-wife's split from Kekich, uh knowingly chose his new spouse and her children over his own kids. I mean, his kids. Yeah. It was like, hey, listen, you can stay with Suzanne if you're just so in love. This is the woman for you. But it's not working out for Mike and I, and I've got, I need help with the kids. So I'm moving back to Illinois. And Fritz was like, go for it. Bye. Go ahead. Move to Illinois. Take my kids. I mean, the only comment that I could find uh, from Fritz like on the matter was he, he offered up once upon a time, I have no regrets, only for my kids. It's hard to think of them with no father. Which like even the phrasing of that is kind of weird because it doesn't it makes it sound like he feels bad that his kids don't have a dad, but but it's not he, his responsibility. Yeah, but it's like, but hey, you know, like hey, I made my choice. Yeah, you know what I mean. Also,
0: I'm, like their dad, quote unquote, dad walked away from them. Right, and it's not me. It's Mike. So
1: uh, so yeah, so so interesting there. So yeah predictably the 1973 baseball season gets off on a bit of a rocky start for the new york yankees there's a little bit of a media circus surrounding the team at this point neither pitcher are playing are pitching neither pitcher is performing particularly well but mike kekich especially he's off to a really rocky start so the first 14 innings He's pitched in the season. He gives up 15 runs and walks 14 oh, batters. Oh, no. So he's given up more than a run every inning he goes out there. He's walking a guy every inning he goes out there. It's just very clear pitching being such a cerebral exercise. Yeah. I was a pitcher once upon a time. And even as, like, a kid pitching, it's you're not throwing. You're
0: pitching. Yeah.
1: the the There's... You know, there's the whole like the melding of the mind and body that goes into pitching. Pitching is like the sports equivalent of yoga, where it's like if your body and your brain aren't perfectly synced up, the results aren't going to be what you want them to be. Interesting. Yeah. And so unsurprisingly, the guy who winds up sitting on his thumb in this whole four way life swap is the guy who's having the, the worst go of it. So, four games into the season, Mike Kekic gets traded. Hmm. He gets traded to the Cleveland Indians. But it was also kind of the beginning of the end of Fritz Peterson's career, too. So, to this this season, at this point, uh, Peterson produced the worst ERA and the worst record of his career to this point in 1973. And the following year, he, too, got traded to Cleveland. But... Mike Kekic had played so badly for the Indians after getting traded there that the next year he was out of Major League Baseball altogether and was pitching in Japan at this point in time.
0: Jeez. Here's another thing, though. You're out of Major League altogether. If your kids are that important to you, get a job in the city in which they live. You don't need to be a pitcher. Sure. You're gonna move all the way to Japan to be a pitcher? Sure. It just seems like four very selfish people.
1: Yeah, it does. Go on. Yeah, it really does. Um, so Kekich flames out of baseball pretty quickly, and then after that, uh, the the self proclaimed soul searcher that Mike Kekich is slash was, uh, he bounced around quite a bit. He went to medical school in Mexico, okay, but didn't finish. Well, he moved to New Mexico for a period of time and worked in real estate uh but he stopped doing that as well but ever since that fateful life swap um he made a deliberate effort to live outside the spotlight uh in fact Ben and Casey Affleck along with Matt Damon have uh for some years now been working on plans to option the story into a film oh reportedly a script has been in the works for quite some time written by the 3 But apparently Mike Kakich himself was so panic-stricken at the news that this script was being worked on and they were trying to obtain the rights that he moved away from where he was living and legally changed his name.
0: Oh, shit. So we don't even know where he is.
1: Yeah, this is something that has been like kind of haunting this poor guy ever since.
0: Sounded fun at the time. It
1: was the 70s. So as far as his musings on the swap... Uh, The best quote that I could find was uh, love is the strongest emotion I've ever felt in my life. I'm one of the biggest soul searchers around. I don't give a damn what people say, but Marilyn does. I have a little heartache that I can't be with my girls and I'm sad that Marilyn and I can't work things out. I can't tell you how perfect it would have been if it worked.
0: That's sweet and sad.
1: Yeah. So uh, Peterson and Suzanne Kekic on the other hand, ...have been happily married ever since 1974.
0: Oh, well, at least there's that. They're
1: married to this day. According to Peterson, they are still crazy in love. He retired from baseball in 1976, and he also kind of bounced around a little bit. He worked in insurance for a while. He worked as a blackjack dealer. He was a uh, color and play-by-play announcer for hockey, and he's now an author of two books... He's also a born again evangelical Christian Whoa. at this point which is also like really not surprising because the the list of people who 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 like who become born again and I say this with no judgment I say this like listen everybody's got to do what they've got to do at any moment's notice whenever they feel like they need to ground themselves yeah. in their life But suffice to say, I'm not super surprised that a professional ball player from the early 70s who traded out his wife and children for somebody else's wife and children also probably had a good, you know, drinking and extracurricular recreational drug habit going at the time. I'm not surprised to find out that he's now a born-again Christian Mm -hmm. because it just kind of works out that way a lot of the time. But the books that he's written are unusual.
2: The, the, way, the way that
1: they are very unusual, I kind of really struggle to make heads or tails of them myself because the main crux of both of these books is where he basically just offers up his musings and his take on the status of his former teammates' souls as they pertain what? to the afterlife and where he thinks they're what? going. Yeah.
0: I got to give me a copy yeah, of this. Yeah, it's
1: insane. As as in like in in this dude's opinion, this this fucking guy, this wife swapping, children packing fucking pro ball player from the 70s feels like he's in a position now to offer he's got an
0: in with god yeah knows cause, like, yeah because some
1: pastor somewhere splashed a little bit of water on his face so now he's in a position to do this that's
0: fucking wild so yeah
1: and and so the funny thing is so mickey mantle famed womanizer problem party animal drinker alcoholic like like one of those eventually got clean in my life and spent every waking minute Thereafter, apologizing to everyone I knew back then for what a horrible fucking alcoholic I was. Mm-hmm. According to Fritz Peterson, Mickey Mantle is a quote first round draft pick of God's
2: <laughs> that
1: God wouldn't hesitate just at the drop of a hat. Mickey Mantle, you're on my, you're, you on, my, you're on my, you're on my soul a, team. A
0: first round draft pick of God's. Who? Old donnie donnie Trump.
1: Yep, number one, number first overall. Uh huh. Yep. Here's. What I'm going to leave you with. Okay. Mike Kekich. Uh
0: huh. Wait, okay. The, so the, uh, the I got a guy. little turned around. The guy who wrote the books is the guy who's still Fritz happily Peterson. married. Yep. Still and happily Mike Kekich married. is the one who changed his name and disappeared. Yep. Go on.
1: <clears throat> uh, but uh, Fritz Peterson comes to a part in one of his two books where the subject of Mike Kekich's soul comes up and where he thinks his old pal Mike Kekich is going. Huh. And the quote from Peterson is that he's, quote, afraid his old friend will be taking a dip or even a swim in the lake of fire.
0: This piece of shit.
1: So there's that. This
0: fucking piece of shit. Yeah. I hope him and Suzanne are happy together. I hope you're happy. I hope you're happy. I hope you're happy. fucking monsters.
1: pinstripe wearing, (laughs) wife swapping. Clean shaven. Cretan. You sell out blackjack dealing. George Steinbrenner jerking off <laughs> just a fucking piece of work, Fritz Peterson. Yeah. Oh. Yeah.
0: Wow. Yuck. Wow. And that's the
1: most you will ever hear me talk about the New York Yankees.
0: <laughs> and you weren't even that mean no, about it. You Listen, were very, you know what?
1: 27 rings, 27 world championships. Yeah, there's I'm something I'm the first to it. person to tip my cap to the Yankees for what they've been able to accomplish, but also, like, go fuck yourself. Yeah, fuck the Yankees. Fuck so. you. Fuck your loser fans. <laughs> fuck all of you. Fuck the Bronx. Fuck you all. Yeah.
0: And with that... And on that note... <laughs> We're going to swap over to uh, our regular programming. Our regularly here. scheduled programming. Thank right you now. so much. Also, oh, by the way, I <laughs> yeah. have to thank you too. For no what? spoilers because the listeners haven't heard yet. Yeah, they're about to hear it. Um, you helped me a lot with this episode. Oh. Because I knew that Lauren was going to do True Crime. Yep. And I knew Carl was going to do um, The Saints' Curse. Yep. And I was determined to do something paranormal and supernatural, and I had no fucking clue what to do with that. Mm-hmm. And you helped me a lot, so oh, thank you.
1: Well, it's my pleasure. Listen, uh, it you know I'm 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 one of I'm one of those sports ball people.
2: Yeah, sports I, balls. I am sports balls. <laughs>
1: so at any point in time, if anybody out there is like, "Hey, sports," I'm like, mm, "Perhaps I can be of assistance." so uh, yeah listeners if
0: you ever have a sports question just write it in like you you ask us questions all the time about our stuff but if you ever have a sportsy thing if
1: you ever have a sports question just send it on in and and i'll 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 find some time attention joe yeah perfect (laughs) thanks (laughs) for listening everybody
0: and uh enjoy the show guys So I'm going to start out today with some haunted hotels that athletes hate to stay in, Ooh, starting with the Pfister Hotel, Ooh. the most popular hotel for visiting teams in Milwaukee. Why are you giggling? Are you giggling? Because
3: I wouldn't want to stay there.
0: Because <laughs> it's called
3: the Fister. Yeah. <laughs> well,
0: it's spelled P F I S T. Okay, so not a fist. Right. Uh, but still, it's an interesting name. Yeah. The Pfister was built. So it's in Milwaukee. And it's where uh, the visiting MLB teams stay. Okay. And the Pfister was built in 1893 by a man named Charles Fister, who is supposedly the spirit that haunts the halls today. Oh, According shoot. to many reports, he still visits guests to ensure they are well taken care of. A spooky ghost has been spotted surveying the lobby from like, like he's on a path. It's like from the lobby, from the grand staircase, strolling through the gallery above the ballroom and then passing through the ninth floor storage area. So he's like, it's like the same path all the time. People yeah. see him. And he's always described the exact same, like older, portly, smiling, and well-dressed. And upon being shown the portrait of Charles Pfister, witnesses swore that that was the same man they saw looking over the hotel. Mm. And, you know, he died before 1900. Yeah. So a ton of baseball players have stories from staying here, and I found a couple that I would like to share. They hate it. Oh my god, they hate it. So th- do they just
4: refuse to stay there now? No, they like have if they, to. Like that's uh, it's just like, like it's the hotel
0: that's booked. Oh my um, and they just they don't understand why. Uh, so former Rangers infielder Michael Young stayed there, and he got real scared. He actually told this story to ESPN. And uh, I'm just going to read his quote. He said, listen, I'm not someone who spreads ghost stories. So if I'm telling you this, it happened. A couple of years ago, I was lying in bed after a night game and I was out. My room was locked, but I was woken up by footsteps stomping around inside my room. Okay, I'd heard all kinds of stories about this hotel. So now I'm wide awake (laughs) listening to these footsteps in my room and they would like start and then stop and then start again and stop. And the next time I heard them, I yelled out, hey, hang out. Have a seat, but stop waking me up. And Whoa. they stopped. And he like didn't hear it again for the rest of the night. Hey, good for him. Just uh, it which out. is great. But he said the experience definitely made him question his stance on like the otherworldly. Because before yeah. he stayed there, he was pretty staunchly like, I don't believe in that. Right.
4: But when something like that happens and you have absolutely yeah. no explanation, you're like, <laughs> it's like well. well,
0: maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Carlos Gomez of the New York Mets is kind of peeved. Like I said, he he's mad that they even have them stay there. Yeah. Like he doesn't understand. He said that he's heard voices while staying there plenty of times. One time he got out of the shower and he heard static playing in his room, but he couldn't find the source of the sound. And when he finally located it, it was coming from the headphones he had plugged into his iPod. Mm-hmm. And when he grabbed it, it skipped to the middle of like a random song. And... It creeped him out so much that he literally went out to the lobby without pants on. Oh, God. Like he just had a towel. He just had to get out of there. Yeah, waste because he was like, I can't be in here. Uh, And he's quoted as saying, I'm scared to go there. They should change the hotel. Everybody here doesn't like the hotel. Why do they always put us in the same (laughs) hotel when we can't sleep? Everything is scary. Everything in the hotel. The paintings and the pictures. It's a lot of old, crazy stuff. No good, man. No good.
4: Oh, my God. So he hates
0: it. There are even cases where multiple guys witness something simultaneously. Carlos Martinez and Marcel Ozuna from the St. Louis Cardinals were staying there in 2017, and they actually posted an Instagram video of the two of them freaking out. And in the video, Martina says, we're here in Milwaukee. I just saw a ghost in Ozuna's room, and he saw another one. We're all in here. We're all in Penita's room. Penita is the pet name for Francisco Pena that mm-hmm. plays on the team. He said, we're all stuck here. We're going to sleep sleep together. And if the ghost shows up again, we're going to fight it together. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, like, two of the guys witnessed it, and yeah. then they all stayed in the same room because they were scared. Which is, like,
4: kind of adorable. It's
0: adorable also. because these are, like, grown yeah, men. Right. We're gonna have a sleepover.
4: We are not also, separating. Also, liked that the Cardinals were thrown in there because Ashley and I have. We're not like avid baseball fans, but like we have, a, we have going a love to root for them. For a team, yeah, it's gonna be the it's Cardinals. gonna be the Cardinals.
3: I root for y'all when they play against the Cubs.
4: For yeah, sure. thank you because you do. You really have to pick a side in those games. So mm-hmm. thank you for that. And Illinois is very divided. Definitely, especially I'm from Peoria, which is like smack dab in the middle of Chicago and St. Louis. So even though I'm technically in Illinois, a lot of people root for the Cardinals because. St. Louis is right there. So we're mm-hmm. like a very divided city. Like our whole high school is like split in half. Yeah,
0: my whole city was Cardinals. It would, yeah, but so you're we, closer. yeah, it was like a 40-minute drive to St. Louis, Missouri. Mm-hmm. And it's like a five-hour drive to yeah, so it made Chicago. Sense. I get it. I get it. CJ Wilson shared a story about himself and Colby Lewis, who at the time both played for the Texas Rangers on ESPN. Um, it was a podcast called Dallas's Ben and Kin. I don't know, it was sure. in 2010, 2010. Ten. he said that he had experienced cold chills and flickering lights, but Colby claimed to have seen a skeletal apparition around 1.30 a.m. and it freaked him out so much that he actually visited the team chaplain in the middle of the night
2: because Whoa. he was so
0: freaked out and he missed a radio appearance the next day. So like it shook him he was up. was traumatized. But I mean, if I saw a skeleton in my room, I would probably shit my pants Yeah, that's
4: true. You wouldn't be okay.
0: with the Rangers, third baseman uh, Adrian Beltre experienced a really scary night in 2001. He had heard knocking on his door. The television and air conditioning repeatedly turned on and off. He also said he heard pounding noises on the other side of his headboard, and he described them as sounding like a man hitting his open hand against the wood of his headboard.
3: Were they rhythmic?
4: Right? Because I know. that oh, was just the well. person in the next room. Oh, True. yeah. Somebody Had getting his... down. <laughs> <laughs> that's really funny. I don't know. I'll write him a letter and yeah. all <laughs> Let's ask. Ew, there but that's so... creepy. That's
0: Other so cool. players who have openly discussed having spooky experiences at the hotel include Justin Upton of the Anaheim Angels, Eric Gonier of the LA Dodgers. Brendan Ryan of the Seattle Mariners, Mike Cameron of half the teams in the MLB, um, (laughs) Pablo Sandoval of the San Francisco Giants, Edgar Renteria of the St. Louis Cardinals, again. And Bryce Harper from the Nationals, who once stated... I laid a pair of jeans and a t shirt on the table at the foot of the bed. When I woke up in the morning, I swear on everything. The clothes were on the floor and the table was on the opposite side of the room. Whoa. To be fair,
3: Bryce Harper dresses like a douche.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so maybe the, the ghost spirit was just like, took
3: the clothes away. No, like yeah. no, no, no. They were probably like studded.
0: <laughs> <laughs> maybe the friction of it caused yeah. some sort of electrical. Yeah. Like get somebody.
4: your douche clothes out of my
0: sight. <laughs> uh So there's um, another hotel that's super scary that has terrorized NBA players for years, and this one is in Oklahoma City. It's called the Skirvin Hilton Hotel. Skirvin Hilton. Skirvin, yeah. Skirvin Hilton. Hilton. That's what I
4: wanted to do for some reason.
0: (laughs) And it's the hotel of choice for traveling professional basketball players, and they all know about a ghost there that they call Effie. Effie. Yeah. Supposedly, she is a housekeeper who was around during the early years of the Skirvin, which was at the time a luxury downtown hotel. And in 1930, um, 10 brick floors were expanded to 14 floors. And W.B. Skirvin, the hotel's widowed owner, supposedly had an affair with Effie. And when she became pregnant, he ordered her to stay locked inside a room on the upper floor, even after she had the baby. And at some point, as the story goes, Effie went crazy, grabbed the baby, and jumped, killing herself and the child. Yikes! But most people are pretty skeptical of this story, as there's no historical record to confirm it. And Oklahoma City was a pretty small town back then, so it's not like it would you go unnoticed. Like heard. they would yeah. have reported it. Okay. So that's probably all a bunch of baloney, Hogwash. but. They still call her Effie because she fucks with them all the time. Oh my gosh. The okay uh the okay the Oklahoma Thunder <laughs> <sighs> jokingly accredits their amazing home record to the fact that the other team is having to stay at the Skurvin and they never get any sleep and they're too tired to play. <laughs> they're
3: too exhausted from the spooks. That's not a problem this year.
0: <laughs> Why?
3: <laughs> they're not that good.
0: <laughs> good they, to know. Maybe Effie has turned her uh maybe she's haunting eye. Uh, knocking on doors, opening drawers, causing commotions in the halls. Uh, supposedly men are propositioned by a phantom female voice. And some have said that she appeared to them in the shower. Oh, oh she's is trying to get down. Yeah. Speaking oh. <laughs> some people have seen who they believe to be Effie pushing a stroller down the hallways. And a baby's cry can be heard several nights a month when no babies are checked into the hotel.
2: Yeah.
3: yeah. So Baby's checking in. Too. I'd like to check <laughs> in, please.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: Can I get a room,
2: please? <laughs> I'm
0: gonna need. I'm gonna need a crib. I need a crib. Thanks. Uh, I'm gonna need some sleep sounds <laughs> and one <laughs> of those projections. A the yeah, on the uh, <laughs> yeah. ceiling. Yeah.
3: Hello, room service. <laughs> I'd like to have a breast.
0: <laughs> breast, please. <laughs> Hello, room, oh room service. Gosh. I need someone to burp me.
4: <laughs> burp Real
0: cloth. Quick. The NBA haunting phenomenon seems to have started around 2010. At least that's when it started to be like reported publicly, okay. they started talking about it. And that was the year that the Knicks blamed their loss on a restless night at the hotel. Jared Jeffries of the Knicks told the Daily News, The place is haunted. It's scary. That was his quote. <laughs> the place <laughs> is haunted. It's scary. I, and I don't want no to about say no more it.
4: on the matter. That is it.
0: But his teammate, Eddie Curry, said he slept only two hours one night because he was just there was constant noise in his room. Uh, He was the only player assigned to the 10th floor, which is supposedly the floor with the most paranormal activity. And he said he spent most of his time in Nate Robinson's room, afraid to be alone. (laughs) Uh, He told news sources later that he definitely believes there are ghosts in that hotel. I just think I don't know why it is that I because like if this was about like, I don't know. Uh, a bunch of like female ice skaters like yeah. i would just be like they were scared they stayed together but for whatever reason i just men. think of like <laughs> like tall nba players Here's what's even
3: funnier <laughs> eddie curry is seven feet tall whoa nate robinson's five six
0: wait really yeah
3: oh he's
4: a little guy <laughs> or five nine five and nine. they stayed together whatever
3: well, they're, they're like best friends but <gasps> that's,
4: that's so cute hilarious. you
3: guys know who nate robinson is he was the really short guy in the dunk contest that dunk like over Dwight Howard and stuff. You Even guys, You know he's
4: five nine. Yeah,
3: you, you'll wow. know him if you see him. He, uh, he's possibly. a. He was in Uncle Drew. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I forgot about that movie. Uh, um, so the seven foot tall guy had to sneak into the 5'9 guy That stay with him because does make scared. the story that much better. You were, correct. Um, it's adorable. A few weeks after that, Chicago's Taj Gibson of the Bulls said that his bathroom door slammed in the middle of the night for no reason, and his teammate, Derek Rose, was among the Bulls players who had heard strange bangs and bumps in his room throughout the night. Even Bill Simmons, that was the name I was trying to think of earlier that I couldn't think of. Oh, Bill Simmons. Bill Simmons, yeah.
3: reporter, yes. Uh,
0: Bill Simmons from ESPN wrote about a fitful night. At the scurvin, when he was startled awake by a baby crying somewhere in his room. Nope, it I was would in run his room.
4: room. No, that's not okay.
0: And that's how I found out that there are haunted hotels that sports players don't like staying in. Because when I brought this up to do this episode, I was like, I kind of want to find some paranormal stuff, but it's sports. And Joe was like, I have a story. And I was like, <laughs> you what? Let me tell <laughs> like, you about Billson. You have a story. Um. Oh, yeah. uh, so, a baby crying in your in room. the no, room. No, 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 no.
3: Yeah, I would, I would get on a plane back home. Yeah, at that point,
0: sure. I quit my job. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm
3: not I, I'm today. I announced my retirement <laughs> from the NBA. It's been a lovely, it's, over. Two it's been a lovely two, years. Years. <laughs> two and a half
0: years. <laughs> yeah, but I'm fed up. Uh, in 2012, Jordan Hamilton of the Denver Nuggets, which is an adorable team name I that I didn't know existed until Every time I hear it two days ago. Nuggets. Tweeted, "quote This hotel creeps me out every time we come here."
2: (laughs) I
3: played against him in high school.
0: Did you really? really? Yeah. (laughs) Who do you? Oh, so he's from L.A. Yeah, he's from L.A. Oh, that's fun. (laughs) In basketball.
3: In basketball, yeah.
0: Were you good?
4: I was all right. Yeah. I
3: wasn't pro level, no. (laughs) But
4: I was okay. You could hold your own.
3: I could hold my own. All right. When everybody's in high school, you know.
4: True. Yeah. And
3: then all of a sudden, you're not in high school anymore,
0: (laughs) (laughs) and it is much different. It changes. Um, I've never been able to shoot a basketball, my sister, no, I I don't have a sporty bone in my body. I also don't have a competitive bone in my body. I mm. think that that's a problem too. Yeah, you have like, to have
4: the drive for mm-hmm. sure.
0: Even if I'm playing like bags or yeah. what else is it called? Cornhole. We call, cornhole. cornhole I call you. it bags and my we husband screams bags. at me He's yeah. like it's cornhole even that like i'm horrible at it uh-huh. and i think it's hilarious that i'm so bad but everyone's yeah. always like ashley if you just and i'm like no 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 no! don't I, give no. me tips i'm but fine listen, i'm not trying to win <laughs> i'm here to drink beer and throw and a throw bag, this bag and
4: hope it are maybe y'all on teams something. though because he's probably like but i'm i'm trying to win
0: <laughs> i know <laughs> that I'm is true
4: you're usually playing <laughs> with someone <laughs> and, and they're <laughs> like you mother yeah.
0: <laughs> if you could take one step back <laughs> yeah. you overshoot it every single time in 2013, Wesley Johnson of the Phoenix Suns said that he awoke to find his bathroom door closed and his tub filled with water. What? <laughs> that bothered me. That is, Yeah, that makes, that makes one me one feel no. weird.
4: I don't know why that one got me so yeah. good. No, literally my body went, like it caved in when you said that. I don't
3: like it.
0: Um, Ooh. One well, thing, I, what? I just can't handle it.
3: No, that's that right there, I will be done. Yeah. I will, like, you, I'm continue i'll talk about my what i need out of a hotel
0: <laughs> get done.
3: i can't sheets, wait to hear this
0: no ghosts yeah <laughs> clean
4: sheets and no ghosts please yes
0: one thing that makes me a little bit more of a believer about the strangeness going on in this hotel is the fact that the Skurvin is not having it. Yeah. They Their stance is simply like we don't discuss the lore. We don't discuss the myths and legends. They dismiss the rumors. The Skurvin has been open since 2007. That's the year that it was reopened as a Hilton. And prior to that, it had been vacant for a little over 20 years years oh my gosh so i was surprised that i found so many athletes admitting that they had paranormal experiences yeah because it just seems like something that they totally oh, no, no they these guys about.
3: are still normal dudes and also a lot of them are young so like yeah, lot, yeah. at the time like jordan hamilton when i'm assuming when that when he made that he's probably like 23 Two. he's probably like it was a ghost
0: yeah. I always forget <laughs> about that, against. that they're so they're young. young. Like yeah. when I'm watching hockey with Joe and I'm like, wow, how old is he? And Joe's like, he's 18. And I'm like, what? Excuse me? Yeah. <laughs> like how? It's what? like
4: when you're, once you hit your thirties, everybody's like, oh, you're old now. Like you're going to have to retire soon. Yeah. Like these are young men.
0: I know. It's crazy. Yeah. But also one thing that I, I didn't think about, cause I mentioned that to Joe, I was like, I'm surprised all these athletes, blah, 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 blah. And he was like, yeah, but think about like how superstitious athletes are too. Totally the different like rituals some mm. of them do. Like there's one hockey player who every time before a game, he dips the tip of his hockey stick in toilet water. <laughs> oh, I haven't heard mm. that for yeah, that's just his thing. Superst- that's just yeah. like yeah. a superstitious thing. Yeah, and there's lots of, like, locker room rituals. You have yeah. to, like,
4: hit a certain part of, like, the locker room when you're leaving. Like, they're, yeah, athletes do have a lot of superstitions. like, don't wash your on.
0: socks for the whole season. Right. Or like, lucky Sox. Playoff
4: beards, everything. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: And that kind of ties into sort of, like, paranormal supernatural right. stuff So it's not bit that or, like, surprising religion. that they would
4: buy yeah. into baseball it. Baseball has the most because
3: it's the oldest. Yes, trip. baseball and has a ton. Yeah, like, so, like, if, if, a, if a pitcher's about to throw a no-hitter, nobody is supposed to mention it or else that'll throw it off
0: it's sort of like Hamlet like you're not supposed to say, say it in Yeah, a,
3: in a theater, yeah. Say it, yes exactly <laughs> like so if the announcer if he's if the pitcher's like if it's like eighth inning and he's just like mowing down mm-hmm. the announcer will be like well looks like he's gonna be very happy when this game ends <laughs> that's
4: all I can
2: say yeah, yeah. <laughs> You I know. think have to I've be noticed that before. It. When yeah. I didn't it's like, even... whoa, that's interesting. Yeah, <laughs> That was a fun way to say yeah. that.
3: Because if he goes, he's on his way to a no-hitter as soon as he throws the next pitch, home run! Yeah. Like, Ugh, can't ruin that. Uh, or also, like, I noticed in basketball, and this is just something I've noticed. It happened in the last game I was watching. I'm watching the game, and... Uh, Paul George, I'm a Clipper fan, and Paul George is shooting a a free throw. He makes the first one, and then a graphic pops up that goes, Paul George is 90% free throw shooter on the season, which is amazing. As soon as he shoots the next one, doink, he misses it, which doesn't super matter, but like it it was just like – It was like, it's because you said it. Yeah, and it was just the (laughs) graphic. (laughs) He couldn't see it. Yeah. But it was like (laughs) – Because because you guys put this here. Yeah. (laughs) It's
0: over. Uh, What do you need out of a hotel?
3: Uh, I need it to be new. (laughs) right I, or like like it no needs to be at least 30 years or younger okay so no historical <laughs> like, sites Nah, 1990 there, right? i need that hotel right. to like have like a fax machine in the back uh I, I i what i really do not like is a super super old hotel like when you go to san francisco mm. and you and like some of those hotels the are buildings are old yes like,
4: which they're beautiful but there's definitely going to be a a ghost that tries to kill you. Yeah,
3: last time I was there, I stayed at this like old new one called the Palladium, mm-hmm. and not the Palladium. Why do I keep calling this place the Palladium? It's called the Zeppelin.
4: <laughs> <laughs> so you're thinking of the place in LA yeah. that like has
3: shows. Yeah. The Palladium. It was called the Zeppelin. Okay. The Zeppelin Hotel. That's the name of it now. It's clearly like an old ass building. Mm-hmm. And my sleep was weird in there. I won't say okay. that there was anything paranormal but like i sleep with the tv on Mm -hmm. and during the night like the volume seemed so loud like so much louder than what it was when i and it like woke me up and like scared me and i'm like what is going on i like turned it off but then i got creeped out yeah sure then you're thinking about it yeah
0: i was gonna ask that because you do travel a lot Mm -hmm. um and i was gonna ask if you had ever because we have Every season we do a paranormal investigation, like at Oof. least one. Yeah. And it's been primarily hotels. We did the Biltmore in downtown LA which was very strange and yeah, weird and we got a amazing. lot of weird audio stuff. We stayed at the Culver Hotel, Hotel, Hotel which also is also old. Really old as shit, you can still really stay old. There? Yeah. yeah. And they
4: say. have done some renovations, but it it feels old for yeah. sure.
0: And then just recently, uh, this December, we stayed at the Queen Mary and we did an investigation. And I did not
4: sleep a damn wink in the Queen Mary because I thought a little ghost child was coming to murder me she got okay. touched in our on room on my
0: face twice
4: it was because of that I didn't sleep I left my light on like no shame I had a night light yeah. I, like, I put my headphones in and listened to music as I fell asleep and I maybe got 45 minutes of sleep mm-hmm. Absolutely I could no.
3: not I would have left I would have <laughs> drove my ass right back to, <laughs> to my house yeah a staycation and, y'all got to leave y'all got to check out
4: yeah also Tyler who was our guest and you remember Tyler Schulte yeah, from Shulky. background he was our guest for that episode and I am honestly blaming him because he made me sleep in like the separate room alone and then him and Ashley <laughs> had a room together <laughs> and
0: i'm cool. like we slept, yeah. Me and tyler slept yeah. in a bed together and, and i was alone in a room Lauren's crying song. you should have been and your ass in that bed with them
4: i know i really should have it was a pretty big bed we probably could have done three <laughs> but he like took his sleeping pills and was asleep within seconds so i'm like hey you really should have taken that <laughs> bed i'm gonna hold and that he over slept
0: him. like he was possessed by a yeah devil. so that
4: didn't help your situation mm-hmm.
3: no. i just listened okay. to another podcast about the queen mary yeah and how many terrible things have happened on that boat Boy, yeah. oh
0: boy. Lots of death.
2: <laughs> but also
0: I didn't know and like this isn't what we're talking about today, but I did want to mention it because it was so cool because we took like the the tour, the historical tour, but it was also sort of like the paranormal tour. So mm-hmm. they tell you the history of it and then they'd be like, also we saw a ghost in here once. <laughs> um and just like how it helped in World War Two, Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, what was it? It shortened World War Two by a year. Yeah,
4: because they were able to bring
0: so many people over, yeah. right? Yeah. Which was wild. They and at one point, Hitler on had uh, like a hit on the Queen Mary. Yeah, there Queen was Mary, a bounty yeah. on the
4: Queen Mary because he's like, this ship is bringing everybody over <laughs> yeah. and it's
0: ruining me. I will give you $10,000 yeah. if you sink <laughs> that bitch. Yeah. And they didn't. If you take
3: a pistol and shoot that boat. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you the money. In the back of the neck. <laughs> in the back of the neck. <laughs> well, put her down. While the boat is peeing.
0: Take her heart out. <laughs> put it in the stove. Yeah. Put it in the stove. <laughs> Lightly seasoned. Go. Speaking Lightly of stoves
3: seasoned. on that boat, somebody died in the boiler room. Oh yeah. Oh, yes. Boiled. Yeah. <sighs> the worst. What a nightmare. Yeah, I don't I can't do nah. I can't do that stuff. And that's fair. And I'm always afraid. I'm always afraid anywhere, everywhere I go, I'm afraid. (laughs) I
4: thought you were just going to end your sentence. And I'm always afraid.
3: afraid. (laughs) Thanks for having me on you guys' (laughs) Live
0: a life in fear. Oh. So I also found some supernatural experiences that people had had, which blows my mind. Please share. As I said earlier, Aaron Rodgers. (laughs) Now it's really Aaron (laughs) Rodgers. You called him a murderer earlier. A murderer. Aaron Aaron <laughs> Rodgers actually uh, saw a UFO once. He watched it what? for quite some time. And he told this story on Pete Holmes' podcast, You Made It Weird. Mm. I love that. Back in, I actually Pete don't Holmes. know when this was. But it happened, the UFO thing happened uh, in February of 2005. It was a super snowy cold night on the East Coast. And he was staying with his former teammate, Steve Levy. And his family, and Aaron described it as one of those bright nights where it's overcast, but there's enough light from the moon to like see shit. Uh-huh. And he said that they were winding down; they were having a really late dinner. It was like eleven o'clock, and they heard a weird siren in the distance. Like they didn't know what kind of siren it was, so they went outside to listen to it to be like, "What is that sound?" Yeah. And uh, but Aaron Rodgers and the two people he was with were are they're one hundred percent certain that what they saw when they went outside and watched for like 15 minutes was a UFO. Because, so
4: like it was nothing they could explain. Yeah.
0: So he described it as a large orange left to right moving object and because of the overcast night and the snow, you couldn't make it out clearly, but it was behind like it was behind the clouds, but they could see the light shining from behind the clouds, like oh. right above them, and they were watching it for a while and he said uh, it was definitely large in the night sky. It was moving from left to right. And at one point it went out of sight. Like immediately it was just like out of sight, but they could still hear it. Oh. So it was like it put on a cloak. Like Dang. it was like all of a sudden it was gone. They, they could, could not hear see the it sound anymore, of it But they could still hear whatever sound it was making. And all three of the guys were like, what the fuck was that? What just happened? And right after that, as they were like listening to it move but they couldn't see it he said that they heard about four fighter jets come flying over and then they saw these four jets come flying over and this was funny pete holmes was like how'd you know it was a fighter jet and aaron Rodgers was like you know what a fighter jet sounds (laughs) and looks like Like, it was a fighter jet yeah so what makes the story even crazier is that even though this happened like eleven years before the interview on You Made It Weird took place, he remembered it so clearly. He said he didn't like just brush it off at the time. He looked into it after that because he was like, him. "I saw UFO." I'm investigating. I know I saw UFO. Yeah. And as he was doing his research, he found that a lot of UFO sightings include the presence of fighter jets and take place near nuclear power plants, which we've talked about on mm-hmm. the show. Well, the alarm that they heard that brought them outside from dinner was from about 30 or so miles out and it was a nuclear power plant that had an alarm that went off. Oh. So like he around, like at the same time. At the same time. Yeah, this. that's okay. what they that's what brought them outside is they heard this alarm going off and it was a nuclear power plant having some sort of
4: There's some shady shit going on, guys. The
0: government's hiding things. Yeah. I also wanted to go internationally for a minute to Florence on October twenty seventh, nineteen fifty four, and this story takes place at a football match, soccer. Yes. And it, let's get it, it. it
3: right; soccer. it's soccer. <laughs>
0: it's definitely <laughs> for not all fun. you uh, listeners who hear football and think of American football. In a this was in Tuscany, and it was in a packed full like concrete bowl stadium called Stadio Artemi Franchi. Ten beautiful. thousand people. I know. I speak French. It was, it was so beautiful. Wait, no. It's in Italy, I right? Speak- Didn't you, say, you said Florence? I speak French. I speak, <laughs> French. I speak French, but that wasn't French. Um, yeah. <laughs> 10,000 people were watching this game, and just after halftime, the stadium fell completely silent, and then a roar came up from the crowd, described as half amazement and half utter fear. The crowd was not looking at the game anymore. They were staring up at the sky and pointing. The players even stopped playing to stare up at the sky. One of the footballers, soccer players, uh, Ardico Manini, who played for Italy in the 1954 World Cup, said that he remembered everything A to Z. He said it was something that looked like an egg that was moving slowly, slowly, slowly overhead, over the concrete bowl. And Everyone was looking up, and also there was some sort of glitter coming down from the sky, like silver glitter. He said, we were astonished. We had never seen anything like it before. We were absolutely shocked. Even the referee's report of the game states that play was suspended because spectators uh, were watching something in the sky. Wow. One of the spectators in the crowd said that there were actually multiple egg-like crafts, and he remembers it very clearly. They were moving very, very fast, and they just stopped like directly over the stadium Whoa. and then started slowly moving and it all lasted. It was a couple minutes long. So it wasn't just something like, it wasn't and like, thing. they were like, yeah. what was that? Like they watched it. And he said he would like to describe them as being like Cuban cigars, but silver. So they were okay. egg, but they were a little, okay. a little stretchier. Some people shrug off the event. <coughs> they tried to shrug off the event as mass hysteria, but there were actually numerous UFO sightings in many towns across Tuscany that day and over the days that followed. So it wasn't just the people in that stadium yeah. having some having a moment. Some even reported a ray of white light seen in the sky coming from the north of Florence. Wow. So that was also strange. A journalist at the time of the event said that he received hundreds of calls on that day. So much so that he was like, I got to see this. So he ran up to the top of the newspaper's building because there was a cathedral next door and he couldn't see around it. Mm -hmm. So he ran up on top of the building and as soon as he got up there, he watched them too.
4: Whoa.
0: And was like watching them throughout the sky and they started coming towards the cathedral. Which is wild. Damn. This event was actually a favorite of Roberto Pinotti, who is the president of Italy's National UFO Center. And also just P.S. if you guys don't know, several other countries have legitimate research centers for UFOs because almost everyone believes in them aside from the USA. Like almost all... It's Which just means a normal we're thing. we're
3: the ones who really have
0: them. Yeah, probably. <laughs> of course. Which we're the ones that either have that them or true. it's us. Yeah. <laughs> also, we're incredibly arrogant here. Oh, 100 I feel like yes. every a lot of other developed countries are like we couldn't be alone in the universe and Americans are like but yes. it's just even us. if we <laughs> aren't alone we're the best.
4: Yeah. We're number 1 so we don't need to care about anything else.
0: Yeah. Anyway, so one of his favorite things involving this event was the silver glitter falling from the sky because this is something apparently That is common with like big UFO sightings. With this, which I didn't know about, me either. He said it's a fact that at the same time UFOs were seen over Florence, there was a strange, sticky substance falling from above. And when it, when the light shone on it, it did look like glitter, but it was like almost like a like stringy cotton. He calls it angel hair. Uh That's what he (laughs) calls it in his research. He said that he had only witnessed this once himself when he was ten years old. And he said he remembered in broad daylight seeing the roofs of the houses uh, covered in this white substance for about an hour, and then like snow, it evaporated. He said that no one knows what the strange substance is or its connection to UFOs, only that it usually happens in tandem with UFO sightings. Bizarre. Others have described the substance as thin cotton wool or cobwebs, but it was almost impossible to collect because it disintegrated on contact, just like snow. But doesn't this remind you of the story about when Joe and I went to Southern Illinois and all those cobwebs were falling from the oh, sky yeah. oh. and it was like super creepy. The oh, whole time true. we were there for three days, you'd be driving and you could see like cobwebs falling in the lights of the car. Whoa. It was like the mist.
4: So what if you were having this
0: experience? you about? Actually, oh it was because when spiders migrate... They basically like, they build just these drop webs. their web off. Yeah, they build these big webs and then like mm. let the wind take the webs. Uh. And so it falls down in like strands. So they're they
3: practical like, like Spider Maning. Oh. Basically, oh,
0: wow. exactly. Jeez.
3: shooting it all out.
0: So a couple people were, were actually at this, during this um, Tuscany thing, they were able to gather a few samples of the stuff by rolling them up on matchsticks. Mm. And they took them to the Institute of Chemical Analysis at the University of Florence. And the lab subjected the materials to spectrographic analysis and concluded that it contained the elements boron, silicone, calcium, and magnesium, and that it was not radioactive. Unfortunately, testing the substance also destroyed it because it's very... Oh. Yeah. Fickle. Yeah. Skeptics blame this event on the migration of spiders. Like I said, they think the objects that were seen in the sky that day were spiders migrating, as they do every year. And the substance falling from the sky was just the shedding of their webs. But those who are still alive, who were at the game or near the stadium that day, like persistently disagree. They're like, look, we see spider migrations. Like, we know what they look like. These were metal crafts. Like, they weren't spiders. Pinotti. He thinks it's all it's all bullshit, especially because they got a chemical analysis of the angel here, and it was not spider silk, yeah, like spider silk is a protein, it's organic, um, it doesn't contain boron, silicone, or magnesium, yeah, and he's so backed it's debunked up right there yeah. so mm-hmm. it's backed up by science writer Philip Ball, who says that boron and silicone are very rarely naturally found in living bodies, and that's highly unlikely that the substance belonged to any spiders.
3: Whale. Well. we Aliens.
0: Disgusting. Aliens for sure. My favorite thing about this crazy thing that happened is how almost every interview with the people, player or spectator, they all say that witnessing it made them very happy and they felt lucky to have been able to do so. Oh. So it wasn't like it was a positive. Scarring. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Other athletes, very quickly, who have had close encounters include soccer legend Maradona. He briefly uh, mentioned in an interview last year that there was a time that he had been out drinking, he had had a few too many, and he was missing, he ended up being missing for three days. Whoa. And he said, quote, why make things up? They took me and I can't tell you about it. Like, he claims that he was abducted by aliens. What? Although most people think that he just went on a three-day bender and either came up with the weirdest excuse ever or was on so many drugs he actually believed he was abducted by aliens. Who knows? But one of my favorites, a huge believer in UFOs, was boxing champion Muhammad Ali. Ah! Huge. Obsessed with that. I didn't know that. Yeah. Later on in his life, he talked a lot about the many sightings he's had. He even told Johnny Carson on The Tonight Show. So he was very vocal. About his sightings. Yeah. The first sighting that we know of occurred in 1970, uh, Ali described seeing a brightly illuminated object in the sky with one of his trainers. So there was a witness for this one. There was witness for a lot of the sightings that he had. Yeah. He said, uh, I happened to look up just before dawn, as I often do while running, and hovering above us was this brilliant light hanging as if by an invisible thread. I imagine this scenario is basically like Rocky meets Close Encounters of the mm. third Kind. <laughs> exactly. At first, I thought it was a beacon projected from a helicopter, but the moments later, um, a similar object passed in front of us. The second UFO had a glowing red tri- red tail behind it. I brought it to the attention of my trainer who was standing nearby. We watched them come from behind the skyline and move slowly across the sky for at least 15 minutes. The best I can describe the sighting is to say that they were just round and big. Ali also said that he later found out that there were other UFO sightings that made that, made that same night, including a report from a pilot landing at Newark Airport. A number of reports were sent to LaGuardia Airport as well as a caution, just being like, just so you know, like... There's crafts, and we don't know who's flying them. We don't know what they're about. Then years later, he saw another UFO. He said that it was the closest sighting that ever happened to him. And it was basically they were driving. He was a passenger in this car. One night driving north on the New Jersey Turnpike, and he said, what a sight it was. We could see the shadow made by the UFO as it passed over the pavement of the road in the light of the full moon. So not only oh. did they see the craft, but they saw the shadow on the ground that Wow-y. it made. Okay. Which, so
4: it was like, it was definitely yeah, like crossing over. Yeah.
0: Because so many people are like, you saw a satellite. It's right. like, well, I mean. No.
4: Well, we didn't. In I this didn't. Situation. So
0: <laughs> Muhammad Ali uh, had several other encounters of the fourth or fifth kind. I don't remember which UFOs are throughout his life. 16 that he spoke about publicly. 16 UFOs, that's, sightings. That's insane. Why he does com- he see so many? I don't know. Well, he completely believed in what he saw. Um, it helps that he had witnesses almost every single time. Right. But he totally believed in it based on the way that the subject has been interpreted by his religious teachers in the Nation of Islam, which oh. apparently has always looked at UFOs within the context of religion, and that's something that we actually are going to talk about later this year when we do our religion episode, incorporating, like, the paranormal and the supernatural into religion. Mm-hmm. And he was... I guess they they teach UFOs in the Nation of Islam wow. and, like, how that relates to... yeah
3: it's all <laughs> that's a different conversation <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which it will be on which another episode
0: on <laughs> um and then the only other thing was jose canseco who claims that he has spoken to aliens and that they're trying to teach us time travel and also that he wanted to run for president but that the aliens told him he was better suited to fight the quote aliens in government as a private citizen and celebrity oh my well that was so a i special believe that one, one for you. Yeah,
4: sure. definitely
0: <laughs> oh, what a special thing. The craziest story for me was the the whole sports arena, like the soccer arena. Oh yeah. No, stopping the game to watch the crafts. It kind of reminded me of that scene remember in Men in Black uh-huh. where it was like the baseball game. yeah, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> And they have to stop play and like didn't the baseball like hit the guy in the yeah. head? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so even <laughs> the
4: players in the to... soccer game stopped, Everyone right? Stopped. Like everything stopped. Mm-hmm. That shows that it was It was so much like beyond us that everybody had to stop. It wasn't a plane. Yeah. (laughs) It was not just a normal thing that was outside the realm of any logical explanation. Yeah. It was not a spider.
0: So see, guys, sports are (laughs) Sports are creepy. Than than we could have anticipated. I know.
4: It is really true.
3: (laughs) Those hotel ones are the ones that are the creepiest to me. too much. I don't like ghosts. I don't. If I saw a UFO, I'd be like, just don't bother me. Yeah. but <laughs> Just ghost, leave me alone, please. Ghost, I, I can't do it.
0: Have you ever had an experience aside from?
3: I have one Tell me. that I think. And I I have more, but I have one that I can think of right now because I think right. I put the other ones in. But well, we were standing at a cabin in Big Bear. And I was kind of half sleeping on the bed. Didn't have a TV to watch when I was. Oh, no. Like, That's <laughs> why. So I was this like, why. I don't know if I was fully asleep. But I was asleep and I dozed off and I felt the bed like as if somebody sat on it yeah. next to me. And I, I just like didn't think about it. I was like, I'm just going to keep my damn eyes closed. I don't yeah. want to see nothing. I don't want to see. Just ignore like, it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the next morning I was like, did any of y'all, when are y'all sitting on, did y'all sit on the bed next to me? Were y'all playing a trick on me? And everybody was like, no. Yeah. Why would <laughs> we do that? And I believe all those people. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like. Something sat on my bed last night. <laughs> the bed, like, pressed. It moved. It suppressed, no, like it, it. I know like, what you mean. Yeah, that. That, that is was scary. creepy. That F. was scary.
4: Were you not at? For some reason, I thought you were there, but maybe you had left already because this was late in the night. Um, another name drop of Stephen Causey. He had like a big party at his apartment after Glee one night. It might have even been his birthday. And Tyler Shulkey saw like a girl in steven's shower that wasn't really there were you not there for that no night? i was not
3: that was the <laughs> no, most was dramatic not. evening
4: yeah i just think you would have like gone sprinting out of the oh yeah, i would have been like all right y'all yeah <laughs> Happy tyler... birthday, steven. i'm out of here <laughs> tyler was like bawling his eyes out like it got so bad and steven oh had to like gosh. talk him down and be like there's no
3: one in my shower it was a whole event where was she what was she doing in the shower was she taking a shower no Maybe just like the
4: standing same, there uh, oh it was effie <laughs> Effie was coming back to get. Was he busy. in the bathroom, like with the door closed? I think he was peeing and like felt movement uh, by the shower curtain and looked and saw a girl and then like s- came screaming out.
3: Oh, I would have. I I wouldn't have been able to get the door open. I would have. I would have <laughs> ran through ran the door. Through, it would have been like one like of a those cartoon. imprints, Carl shaped yeah. <laughs> yeah. door print.
2: It'd be like oh Looney Yes.
3: <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Maybe he was trying to play a trick on somebody. Like when they go look and he closed the door on them. <laughs> It was all a prank. in totally. <laughs> or I would have gone nuts. Yeah, <laughs> insane.
0: Well, thank you so much, Carl, for coming on to our. Thank series. you for having me. This it was, was so pleasure. much fun. It was so nice to see you again. We haven't seen each other in so long, and now you're basically my neighbor. So we, we have no excuse. Hour.
3: No excuse for Ooh. you to just be up in this house.
0: <laughs> yes, yeah, Carl,
4: Carl you, you got a
3: kid now. House. We have to. The <laughs> night know. is still young, and by I the know. night I mean our ages. Please don't let us. Decrepit. <laughs> <Die. laughs> Don't let us rot. Don't let us rot.
4: I, I live far listen. away, but I do enjoy coming to North Hollywood and going to Idle hours, So I'll I'll get a babysitter. Yeah, let's do it.
0: We also have a barcade now, so let's go do that. Ooh, hell yeah! Mm-hmm. Do you have anything that you want to plug? Do you have anything coming up?
3: Um, you can always catch me at the UCB Theater yeah. on Sunday nights at 9:30 p.m. with Shitty Jobs uh, every second Friday of the month at UCB with White Women. Uh, I'm at ASCAT Saturdays and Sundays uh, what else listen to the flagrant ones Patreon if you like basketball the two people who do like sports <laughs>
4: yeah, there's <laughs> that's, gonna be that's for true.
2: Joe uh,
3: that's <laughs> <Yeah>. hosted by <laughs> me and Sean Clemens and Hayes Davenport of Hollywood Handbook if anybody knows that podcast those guys are great I'm also on a bunch of other podcasts and follow me on Instagram I deleted my Twitter uh, at dammit carl
4: Oh yeah, we'll that tag is you your name. Yeah, yes. you'll also be tagged. But. Yeah.
0: You the best, Carl. Yeah, you the best. Thank you 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 so much. And thank you guys so much for listening to our season four premiere. Welcome back. Welcome back. We have so many cool episodes and great guests to bring you this season. We're very excited to be back. Please follow us on social media at Keep It Weird Cast across all platforms. Subscribe to our show on iTunes or Spotify. Check out our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Keep It Weird Podcast to donate to our show and get bonus episodes and newsletters and discounts on merchandise. And check out our Etsy store at www.etsy.com shop slash keep it weird podcast to grab a hoodie or a t-shirt or a tote bag or a sticker or a pin, whatever whatever your heart desires. Oh, also, look, in the next month or so, we are getting new merch. We're getting new t-shirts. Oh, yeah. New designs. It's going it to be very exciting. just me saying that I'm so mm-hmm. excited. Me too. Um, one last thing. Carl. Yes. What is our sign off today?
3: Sign off today is for the lovers and friends. Where it ends and begins. I hope you are all well and that there are no ghosts in your hotel.
4: <laughs> well, that's the new best sign off we've ever had.
0: You're so talented. Thank that you was, so much. I, I see
4: that's the weird. improv has just like really worked for you, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's um, lovely. And, keep it, and weird. keep it weird. Thank
0: you. <laughs> Do you guys smell pizza? Uh -uh. I don't, but now I'm hungry. Am I having having a stroke? stroke? (laughs) 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 Do you guys smell burnt feathers?
4: Oh, God. Call (laughs) Cosmo.